Welcome to a very special edition of the Metal Hammer podcast. It is number 46, but it is also our feature length festive special. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, Merlin. <laughs> Happy Merry Christmas, Solstice. Jonathan. Happy, yeah, Happy Solstice. Oh, Jonathan on brand as ever. Yeah. I'm Mo. I'm here with Jonathan and Elle. Um, and we're going to be taking a big old look at the year that was in metal, what we liked, what we didn't like. The albums that blew our minds, best gigs, loads of shit coming up. It's going to be a good one. Um, don't forget that the latest issue of Metal Hammer is out now. Our Slayer Spectacular. If you're not aware of it, where the hell have you been? We invited all you guys to send in your Slayer photos. They've all been turned into a lovely big old uh, heavy metal Slayer collage that is now on the front cover of Metal Hammer. It comes with a poster of the cover as well, so you can see yourself blown up in even more wonderful higher definition. Um, it comes with a free book. You can order it online or get out to your local shop and get it immediately. It's also Slayer, got our top yeah. 50 albums Slayer, of the year. Yeah. Slayer, yeah. Slayer, yeah. Slayer. Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. Uh, very, very pleased with it. Um, last cover of the year always feels like a special one, but um, this is one we were working on for a long time. So we're very proud of it and we appreciate the feedback from everybody. If you don't have it, what the hell are you doing? Go out and get it right now. Um, the latest Mount Hammer pilot is also finally live for yes, the TV show. finally. Hooray. Yeah, we told watch. you it was coming. Uh, yeah, have you, have you probably you know, realised already from us blabbering on about it, we've been working on a pilot for a brand new Mount Hammer TV show. The third of those is now up live on the Mount Hammer website. Um, we unbox stuff, we review stuff. We also talk to Greg Pichato from The Black Queen and formerly uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, don't we? We do. Good that pronunciation of his name. Thank you. Yeah, because after years, I'm thinking it's Greg Pucciato. Yeah. Pucciato. But I, I stand corrected. Yeah, we double-checked it before we came on yeah. air and uh, I double-checked it with him on air as well and he didn't beat me up, so that's always a good sign. <laughs> He's a lovely man, isn't he? He's very cool. He's very cool. Yeah, but yeah. Big guns. Big guns. <laughs> Slap my knee a couple of times and it hurt. <laughs> uh, you can see that that chat, as it were, along with lots of other cool stuff on the brand new Metal Hammer Pilot. It's out right now and you can check out the other two as well. They are on the Metal Hammer website. Uh, go and do it. What's been happening in the world of metal? Jared Threatens talked to the BBC. He's back. Yeah. Well, he never really went away, did he? I suppose. No. So he's kind of given his side of the story, I guess. As a reporter, a North American BBC reporter, he went to his home and got the inside story on Jared Threaten. And if just in case, um, for whatever reason, anyone listening wasn't aware of Threaten, uh, this is the guy that managed to book a full UK tour and I think maybe partly European tour as well, um, which nobody turned up to and managed to get millions of views on his video without actually having any fans. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting thing, the biggest story. But some people were kind of complaining about, uh, about us covering this, but. This was the biggest story in metal this year, I think. Well, I think it was the fact that it seeped out into mainstream coverage. The BBC have done a full-length long read on this. Yeah, exactly. And every other mainstream outlet covered it. I don't think there's any other story in metal that spread that far and that wide. Yeah, People I mean, maybe not within metal, metal itself. Metal, you know, but... we're talking about it. So. But the thing is, the story's not really about metal, though, is it? It's really about social media. No, fair point, fair point. Social media it, just, just, it just happened to be a metal band. I'd, that, um, I do think the fact that it was a metal band lends it, lends it a kind of extra level of hilarity though for some reason. And I don't mean that's neither. I just mean I don't think it would have resonated as much if it was like a rapper that had done this or something. Do you know right. what I mean? Like it's something yeah. about the fact it's this long haired dude playing a guitar trying yeah. to live the heavy metal dream. I agree, and it's not just about social media. It's about this person and what this person is like and what possesses somebody to 
build their career on lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, career of lies. It's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum to the anvil story, just and without is, all yeah. the charm of the anvil story. Is, yeah. Without any of the charm of the anvil. Well, story. apparently, um, uh, Jared Threatin uh, said that um, uh, there is potentially he's being talked to about a movie, which I'm not surprised at all. I think I said no. a couple of podcasts ago, I'd be stunned if this doesn't get a movie treatment at some point. But um, this, I don't know if this is from the BBC interview. I think it is. But this is what he's been saying anyway. He said, I manufactured my own destruction. My idea was, how am I going to fill these empty rooms? <laughs> that is a problem. Uh, I'm going to fill them with eyes from the digital world. That was the objective from the beginning. That yeah. sounds like bullshit. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it sounds a bit dubious. I read it over the weekend. I mean, it's just so much being written about so little at the heart of it. Like, it's just this great big absence void. And Actually, everyone's going... Going crazy. There about are it. there are some interesting hints in the BBC piece about his home life, um, about his relationship with his brother, about how he left his family, about how him and his girlfriend don't have any other friends and family they talk to. It's just them in their house, this unit of those two, and how she describes that the walls are covered with pictures of his face. So again, could be all an elaborate what? scheme building this character, or this is what Jared Threaten is like. I mean, if it is an elaborate scheme, then it's unbelievable. Oh yeah. Like, the, uh, uh, we wouldn't touch this kind of stuff because I think I think some media went a bit far with some of the coverage of it. To be honest, but there were people that were like trying to seek out his family and you know. Well, yeah, get the back BBC news, they do talk to his brother. And, do they? Um, yeah, they do. And, um, I didn't actually know that. So that basically, the upshot of the whole piece is he says he orchestrated it that he wanted people, you know. He, he admits he's got notebooks where he's got all these fake Facebook accounts where he got all his fans from and that it was him commenting on Facebook, him commenting on YouTube to build his profiles. He admits to that. And then he says it was his idea he'd do this tour and the tour would generate publicity. And that's kind of the bit where you're like, did you think, you know, you could do this and people would show up and are you covering up for that? Or did you genuinely know no one would show up and there would be some publicity about it? And he said he contacted, <coughs> excuse me, some music outlets saying you need to see what Jared Threaten is doing he's playing to empty rooms um, it's a scam and he said he planted those seeds but there's no real concrete evidence we don't really know if it happened or not well, that's the thing is like, I just think he, what, what he's saying is just rationalising what's already happened retroactively well that's what we'll so, never know so, and he, so, said, you know, yeah, he says he admits that he has lied so he knows that people can't trust him when he says that Yes, I mean, there's, I mean, there's there's no kind of bottom to the story because there's no middle, there's no top to the story. It's just there's nothing in the story. Like anything he says is just you. You never know whether you, whether to believe him or not. So you're just piling good words, well, you know, good words after bad, really. When you dealing with, I I wish the story would just go away. And oh, I, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, and I wish he'd put as much effort into his music as he did about all all his shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> shenanigans just, is definitely the way. But he seems to have a lot of guitar, a lot of kit, and apparently, for people who have met him, he's quite an accomplished musician. It's just that you know, maybe his music doesn't come out that well, way. Wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but apparently, you yeah, can play. Just, just, what do you come away like if you if if you've been following this? Like, what do you come away with other than? more kind of just general bewilderment, bewilderment and not knowing. No, I'm fascinated I though. I don't think we'll know that, will we, for the long run? This could be a ground zero for an entirely new way of looking at the oh, relationship between social media. I mean, it's, I don't think he even rises to the level of an enigma. I just think... This, this no, I don't think he's an enigma. I think he's been... I think he's been sussed out and now he's... 
probably quite savvily making more PR out Yeah, I, I also just think it's the media feeding on itself. I, it's just, I, I just wish it would all go away. I don't know. I really I'm sorry for including it in the headlines this week, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, really no, I really enjoyed reading the BBC piece because we, you know, we'd spoken to some of Threaten's band members. We reached out to Gerald and he was saying that he's not doing any interviews and I think he was sort of saving himself for a big interview. And this is one of those interviews. And, you know, the, the reporter is American, has gone to this house in America. And I found it fascinating and I would read about it all day. So Interesting. Yeah. Well, we will, we will see, I guess. I'll be stunned if we're still talking about this dude in a year. But you never know. Uh, the Ramstein album is out in April, apparently, yes. according to Richard. In a new interview, Richard Crusp. I'm Richard Z Crusp. Um, so, yeah, that's good. That's, that's uh, off the top of my head, that's the first major... Metal album we're getting next year, isn't it? So that's going to set the set the standard for early, I think. Spring's my favourite time of year. Ramson are my favourite <laughs> bands. So for me personally, I'm very happy. Hooray! Yeah. That is very exciting indeed. So yeah, we'll have new new. I don't know. You can never exactly trust bands because they're not always totally in charge of this stuff themselves. But um, I think it's probably a safe bet to say we'll get new Ramstein music before the the tour dates come out. I want to know what the box set's going to look like. Mm. Oh God! Imagine. <laughs> Where do you go from dildos? <laughs> that was the a little, that was that. A little good. The only way is um, And speaking of new material, Linkin Park have kind of uh, been thinking about what, uh, obviously what their future is. Um, uh, bassist Dave Farrell has said uh, that they they are considering recording new material and they're starting to get their heads around that now. Um, he said, I think we will do music again. We all want to. We all still enjoy being together and being around each other, but we have a huge process to figure out what we want to do and what that's going to look like. I don't have a timetable for how long that'll take. I've never been down this road, so it's really hard to put a time or a day. But it looks like, realistically speaking, we'll probably will get some new Linkin Park music at some point. Um, it's hard to know what that will look like and how that'll be, how they can even get their heads around that, really. Well, I mean, I guess the question is, I don't know if they've talked about it in anything that you've read, but what are they going to do about a singer? Are they going to have guest stars? Or are they going to yeah, exactly. bring someone new in? Or Will Mike do it? You know. Yeah, Mike's been singing a little bit. Uh, I mean, Chester's such a huge presence um, and you know vocalist to try and replace. It's it's difficult to know. What would you? I mean, what would you prefer as a fan, or at least someone who like their music points of view? Um, I think you've just got to go with whatever they want, which I know is a cop out, but no, of course. Uh, I think either a new singer or Mike. I not sure about a record I think a record that has lots of different people and it'll be interesting but obviously you can't go out on tour with like loads of guest stars yeah. at the time but so if, if Linkin Park put up a new album how is it not going to reference the death of Chester Bennington if you have a new singer coming in and trying to motivate that that's going to be kind of weird no but you know Alison Chains did it with William Duvall they had somebody who was close yeah. to them and they brought in and that worked really well so they could definitely do something yeah, <coughs> excuse me it, it like can that. work can't it I think yeah. if, if a singer has died or any prominent member has died, so you just kind of take it for granted that this wasn't really a choice the rest of the band made on the basis of anything other than, you know, they had to decide whether to carry on with their livelihood or not. And yeah. so you kind of, the rules are a bit different. It's not like they're changing singers and there's going to be like, oh, is he as good? And is this going to be as creatively similar to what they've done yeah, before? It's, it's just, it's, it, it's kind of like, well, Jonathan was touching on it's, it's it's going to become a tribute in of, in of itself isn't it yeah which I would like to see happen I think because there's no really uh, unless they feel like it's just not the right thing to do I don't see any reason why they shouldn't still make music together yeah I agree we will see what happens well then 
2018, what a year in metal. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know how to start this. We've just got this big review of the year segment. Uh, but yeah, it's been a huge year for metal, no doubt about it. Um, I feel like it's been a year where a lot of the the kind of, I don't want to say next generation because it's, it's, it's bands that have been around a little while now, but it feels like there's been a lot of bands that have kind of had big opportunities to stake their claim on the future and all that kind of stuff. We haven't had a lot in the way of gigantic releases, I don't think. There's been no Slipknot album, no Avenged album, no Metallica album, no Maiden album, Sabbath Gone, Slayer retiring. So it's, we're in a weird, it feels like Mel's in a, a bit of a transitional period at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely a time of change and we've obviously championed new bands that are coming through like Venom Prison and Point to Serve. Yeah, we've had a few on the cover. For sure. Yeah. Like, uh, Better Prison on the cover this year. Code Orange's first Metal Hammer cover appearance. Power Trips within Temptations first as well. That was cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, obviously not a brand new band, but. <laughs> but reach cover level. Exactly, exactly. Um, let's yeah. jump into the review, Merlin. Let's just do it. Uh, we'll start, well, we basically just kind of. It's kind of normal for um, obviously magazines. If you want to read our top our top fifty albums of the year, you can go and do that now. We've also published all our writers' individual um, picks as well. So if you want to see what Elle's top twenty was, what Jonathan's was, mine was, all the other writers that work at Mount Hammer, you can go on melthammer.com now and see all those. So we're not just going to sit here and ream through another long list. Um, we pick some categories to go under instead. The first one is not going to be very surprising for anyone who's listened to the podcast for at least Elle and I, I think which is album of the year. Yeah, we should probably just do this in like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Mine is Ghost. It's Ghost. Well. Ghosty, 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 ghost. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to add the same thing I've been saying. I think it's an instant classic. I think the reaction to the songs live has shown that. I think people will come back to this album in the same way that they do an album like, I don't know why this is the first one that came to mind, but Permission to Land by the Darkness, where you come back and you go, oh my God, it's got this song, and it's got this song, and it's got this moment, and it's got this bit. I think it's... An absolute classic. My, my number one wasn't Ghost. I know it wasn't. Go on, Jonathan. It was going to be. And then uh, what happened? Well, I was torn between two albums for number one, like uh, Ghost and Watain. Okay. Uh, like the Watain album just kind of rips your face off. But I was going to go for Ghost, so I just thought it's the biggest statement. It feels like it's the biggest statement of the year. And then something came in right at the death and blew me away, which was uh, an Icelandic band called Svarty Dalvi. Svarty Dalvi. How do you How spell, spell that? S V A R T I D A U. But it's that curved D with a cross through it. Oh yeah. Right. So it took me years of going of like learning how to even vaguely pronounce anything Icelandic. But but that it's 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 like a soft. So where did this come from? Who who are who is this man? So they've been they've been going for a little while. And there's I mean there's obviously like a really strong Icelandic black metal scene. And they've been playing for a while. They when they played actually at the uh, in London, they packed out like six, seven hundred people at the dome. I mean, it was a really good bill. I think they played with um, Bolzer as well. Mm-hmm. And just this album is just one of the most immersive experiences. Just like it's journeying into journeying into something, and it's got this. So it's got this kind of feeling of like this kind of huge epic journey that you get with a band like. Um, uh, Despel Amiga, but it's not quite as kind of related. It's got this kind of imperious stance that makes me think, sometimes makes me think a little bit of um, Behemoth. Um, and, it's got, and it's just got this absolute driven intensity um, that maybe Maguire have in black metal terms. And it was just, this is it. Like, I was struggling to find, when you, when you 
thinking about them, yeah, you're not entirely sure. That's not always a good sign. Um, but this one, just like, no, this is it. This is this is my album of the year. But and, why uh, though? What is it? Tell it, us. It 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 just it just felt like an absolute. It just came from the the heart, and it was just a really intense experience that just, it kind of feels very transformative when you listen to it. Mm. And that kind of intensity you put into it, you have to draw it out from somewhere. And I don't think any other than Watain, I don't think any other band kind of draws on that much kind of almost like esoteric power. And but it, but at the same time, it's also as far you know in black metal terms, fairly accessible, I guess. What do they sing about? Um, I do, they, they sing in Icelandic, so... Ah, cool. Icelandic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cold so, things. But it was just, just absolutely just when just drove through your head. It was so atmospheric, but um, so forceful at the same time. Amazing. And it just, that record just felt like a complete world and like not this one. Bro, you heard that here. I've forgot, already forgotten how to pronounce them. Sparty Dowdy. Sparty Dowdy. I think. Uh, album out now. Do you know the name of the album? Revelation of the Red Sword. Revelation of the Red Sword. Yes. So there you go. That is out now. Um, and that's a, a very late hot tip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it literally came <laughs> just, just as I was, I was doing my votes. Oh, really? That yeah. late on? Wow. Yeah, so that's why they... If it come any earlier in the year, I think we've done really well in our top 20. It is funny how sometimes you... Um, when you hear an album and you just you feel like you know it's going to be your album of the year and yeah. you can't quite put a finger on why so like it's just it just as soon like the Ghost album was that this year and Mercury was that for me last year like you just hear an album and it just you just know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is going to nothing's going to be better than Some, this sometimes there's certain albums I should better get some black metal where just like there's a kind of a resonance like like although some people might think it's a difficult album when I heard Order and K.O that mayhem album, the really strange one, but it just hit a nerve, and it's like, like within seconds, like there's nothing gonna be better than this. Like this, this is exactly what I need. Love it, love it. Um, most, uh, what's your most underrated album of the year? Is there is there an album that you feel like isn't getting enough, isn't getting enough attention, or we haven't covered on here, or we haven't covered in the magazine as much? I kind of went for a personal choice on this because, as you should, <laughs> in January. Well, January issue this year, we did a massive special celebrating women in metal and all the features were kind of looking at different bands or different initiatives um, that were celebrating women. And we did a big piece on, um, hang on, I've just completely gone back, Oceans of Slumber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we did a big piece point, on actually. Oceans of Slumber and their album, The Banished Hearts. And we talked to Cami and about her journey into metal about how she's from a very religious family and was stopped from listening to a lot of music and how she grew up kind of listening to stuff which was banned by her family and then it was sort of about her, about her personal journey into the band and I really enjoyed the record but I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, so I kind of did, you know like, did as well actually. When we were doing our lists, I didn't really think about it too much and then over the last couple of weeks and looking at you know our contributors lists and looking back through the year I remembered how much I enjoyed it so I went back to it and there's just a lot of realness in that record if you listen to Cammy's voice there's quite a lot of vulnerability and truth and it's just a good record and for me personally I felt like I had underrated it by kind of just forgetting about it for the rest of the year well, I think it, and I actually think it was think, really good yeah and uh, um, I think maybe it suffered because maybe it wasn't quite as good as the one before. Winter was the one before that, wasn't it? 
Yeah. So I'm maybe sure that... I remember you played that a lot when that came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great album. The t- I think it's the title track on the on that one from this year is the one where it, it kind of starts off progressive and heavy and then it goes into that really emotional string bit at the end. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous, yeah. And there's Black really in there too, you, well, you know, double kick that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, um, yeah. They're a great band. And so, she has got an amazing voice. And yeah, I agree that that feature that Hannah wrote that, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hannah May Kilroy wrote that and um, she's just, yeah, really interesting character. And sometimes there are bits where her voice isn't perfect, but it's actually, you know, it's it's honest. So... Yeah. Um, that's the emotional... That's I saw them live supporting uh, My Dying Bride and they're incredible. Yeah, I saw them live. Um, I don't think I saw them this year, but I did see them last year at the Dome, I think it was, in London. And yeah, she was great. They are they are a really good band. And yeah, back that I think that maybe because it came out earlier in the year, maybe exactly, there's yeah. a lot of other stuff that kind of turned up afterwards. Like that was quite a headline grabbing. Like Priest came out around then. Yeah, we probably had the Ghost album around then as well yeah. at the start of the year. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a really I backed that choice. L. What's yours? Uh, mine. So this is actually a band that um, I used to bang on about loads on the podcast years back. That kind of. Uh, were almost like a bit of a flagship band for Metal Hammer for a little while, and then they just went flying off the radar for ages. Um, and it's Bleed From Within. Um, so, if you've kind of not uh, really been paying attention to the UK metal scene as much in the last few years, they could have quite easily not been on your radar, actually. But just a, a quick recap of where they were at. Um, they put out a couple of really strong albums. Um, I think they were, uh, I can't remember what label they are now, maybe Century Media, or maybe they went to Century Media, I can't remember. Anyway, they, they switched around labels quite a lot early on in their career. Um, we ran a big feature with them five years ago now, uh, where they talked about how they were quite frustrated with their, where their career was going and they weren't happy with some of the way some certain decisions had been made for the band and all, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that they were quite frustrated and it felt like their momentum had got stifled a little bit compared to some of their peers. You know, this is in the period where bands like Barry Tomorrow were coming through and getting big while she sleeves were coming through. Believe From Within felt like they got left by the wayside a little bit, um, which is a real shame because the album that they released around then in 2013, which is Uprising, is an awesome album. Um, it was really high on my end of year list and all the rest of it. Um, it was really, really, really bloody good. Uh, so now five years on, I'm not totally sure why they... I think it's probably just the reality of being a young uh, metal band. It's just not easy to keep your momentum going. It's not easy to keep it together. So they haven't really been around as much the last few years. They put an album out called Era earlier this year. Um, and it's fucking wicked. It's so good. If you've never heard Bleed From Within before, I'm sorry, I should have said that at the start, sorry. Basically, if you listened to the this year's albums from, let's say, Machine Head and Lamb of Gods, and thought maybe they were a little bit lacking and they weren't quite what you were looking for in terms of a big, groove-laden, proper modern heavy metal band, you need to listen to this Bleed From Within album because they are... All those kind of like real, uh, like uh, guttural, heavy, groovy uh, riffs, and huge drum sound. Uh, Scott's a hell of a singer as well. All that kind of stuff that you really want from those meaty modern metal bands. Um, they do it as good as anyone. And uh, I have to admit, I kind of dropped the ball on this a little bit this year because it just, again, I think it came up when there was a lot going on. And I listened to it at the time and I was like, yeah, it's just really, really good. But I was listening to it more a couple of weeks ago and it just absolutely slams. Every track's really good. Um, the songs are catchy but they're heavy as fuck 
Um, there's some really good epic cleans from um, Scott, their singer, which he hasn't done quite as much over the years, and they really work. There's a song called uh, Alone in the Sun that's got them on. Gatekeeper's got them on as well. Um, so if you kind of remember them from a few years back, um, uh, but would like to see a bit of progression from them, then there is a bit of that. You know, They've taken their sound forward from where it was. It sounds really good. It sounds really modern. Um, and I just think people need to hear it. And I think... Uh, you know, there's no, you never want to give up on a band, but I think given all the false starts they've had, it would be a shame if people just totally glossed over this album. Um, and I understand why people do that because there's a lot going on, there's a lot of great stuff out there. The UK scene is absolutely thriving at the moment, but I think Bleed From Within deserved their moment in the sun. And Era is a really, really strong album. And uh, if you happen to have missed it, whether you were a fan or whether you've never listened to them before, I implore you pick it up because, like I said, if you're looking for anything in that kind of more groove heavy, uh, modern metal realm I think that's the best thing that's that kind of music has produced this year and as I said we've had Machine Head and Lamb of God albums this year so I'm not taking that lightly at all but um, it's really really good and uh, yeah it deserves more attention than I probably gave it when it first came out which is a few months ago now so go pick it up Era by Blue From Within that is my choice it's bloody wicked and they're on tour if I'm not mistaken uh, with Cancer Bats at the start of next year in the UK and that will be a fucking gig so if that's coming near you go see it because that will be wicked that Cancer Bats album's great as well, actually. That could have been a choice. <laughs> they well, no, then. You may be talking about something that I was going to talk about later on. Okay. Then let's, I won't talk about that. Let's move on <laughs> to Jonathan. I literally don't know what else means there, but we'll, <laughs> actually, I'll see. Talking about kind of women in metal, uh, I was torn between two albums for the most underrated album. Uh, both female fronted. Uh, Sinistro. No, don't say female fronted. Yeah, you dropped the ball there, mate. Their <laughs> singer well, is female. Sing. Okay, well, both of like incredible singers. Um, Sinistro from Portugal, although we did do a feature on them, so maybe we didn't underrate them too much. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of. Um, and Madame Morton from Norway with an album called Marrow. Um, so, sorry, say that again? Madame Sinistro. Morton. Sinistro from Portugal mm-hmm. with an album called Sangre Cassia. Yeah, I remember that one. And Madame Morton from Norway with an album called Marrow. Madder Morton. Yeah. I love Madder Morton. Yeah. We've talked about them loads. Yeah. That's they, like um, M-A-D-D-E-R-Morton. I mean, I mean, they've been going around for, for so long now. Um, and they're one of those bands that kind of seem to be a kind of a critics band in a way that like, everyone who writes about them just absolutely loves them. But there's something that, if I say they're progressive, it doesn't mean it's progressive is about musicianship. It's progressive in the way that maybe Voivod are progressive or or like earlier or Thunder were progressive which is like the way it shifts I mean, the train shifts is like it's like the contours of someone's mind basically and um, so they just do this kind of really genuinely honest music that doesn't really follow any set paths uh, but the map of the music is like a map of um, the singer Agneta's kind of own brain like so you couldn't copy it and it doesn't really sound like anyone else she has an incredible voice and um yeah, and the, the last record was was re, was kind of a lot doomier and heavier than uh, some previous records. Okay, and it's just it's just one of those things like like what would either clicks or it doesn't. When it does, you're in this completely three D world. And I, I I saw them live the first time I saw them live. Just like I didn't get them at first, and then it suddenly all clicks. And I'm like, oh my god, this is absolutely amazing. And so the album was, was great. We didn't really do enough on them, but they're coming over to play. I think about March, April, with another great band called uh, uh, Vulture Industries. Oh, Vulture Industries, yeah, you've yeah, always yeah. been a big fan of them. Yeah, yeah, So, and that's going to be like, and basically sort of like basically uncategorizable metal bands. But, um, but 
I love those bands. The, the bands that you, you get most immersed in are the ones that kind of create this kind of quite sprawling universe. And so you just, you just feel like you've got lots of room to explore in it and it's kind of temperamental and it's, um, and it's, it's just like the human brain really, and the human heart. Mm. And um, you just find yourself living inside those records and they're both amazing live bands. And if you go and see um, Vulture Industries, you might get caught up in a heavy metal conga. What? Okay. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. He has, he has a. They're quite eccentric presence, Vulture Industries. And, Interesting. And um, yeah, the last two times I've seen him, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like he's kind of acting out this role of like this almost like uh, mad seer talking about this world at the edge of destruction. <laughs> and then, yeah, he just. just he walks into the audience, sings in people's faces, and then just gets people doing a metal conga. Good wow. times. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> that is a sight to behold. And, and, it, and it doesn't seem stupid, in that, as, as stupid as you think it is. Wow, there you go. So if you've slept on any of those albums this year, uh, Oceans of Slumber, Bleed From Within, Jonathan Had Two, Madame Autumn, and Sinistro, um, go check them out immediately. Yeah. Uh, I picked the album that most surprised you as a category, <laughs> and then realised I wasn't sure what to put in it. What did you put out? I did a literal surprise, which Hooray. is Cancer Bats, The Spark That Moves. Well, there we go. I'm <laughs> shocked you're talking about this album now. Uh, but yeah, I do shows. think, um, related to the last one, I do think, again, how do you think that went for them, surprise releasing an album? Because it's kind of jury's out on whether it's a good idea for metal bands to do that, I think. Well, they spoke about it and they said that basically they were out of contract with their label at the time, which is BMG. And they kind of looked at it and went, you know, they obviously have massive, massive acts and what they do is a bit different. So they decided to self-release and then in the end, they, I think they did get a label, but I can't remember the name of it. And they just kind of went, they'd been doing um, Bat Sabbath and fans had been coming up to them saying, when have you got new Bats material? So they just kind of went, well, we'll just go for it. We'll just record some because people are excited to hear some and we'll just put it out. And we didn't know it was coming. And the reaction to it seems to be really good. I mean, I have no idea commercially how good it is to surprise release an album and what they feel about it now but in terms of the actual response from fans of Cancer Bats it seems to be pretty overwhelmingly positive yeah I thought it was a massive improvement on the last one I actually like, really massive. I actually really enjoyed the last one I think maybe as a minority but the fact with this one is that it came out and it's like half an hour of Cancer Bats it's just half an hour it's short sharp I like I like the fact that it's kind of talking about maybe people or things that were in the past that maybe didn't go so well, but it's got that positive spin on things. I, either fuck you or positivity, <laughs> where you can kind of be like, you know, I'm going to do my own thing and plow on ahead and, you know, be independent and move on and everything's going to kind of turn out okay. And it's sort of that cathartic half hour blast of like, just we're going to go for it sort of thing. Yeah. And so the lyrics are really good as well, like, bed of nails, before I die, I'll live forever. Um, you know, fear will kill us all. I like this one. We shed our fear like the skin of a snake. Follow nice. the moon to wherever it takes us. There's just a lot to wow, go on to. quite poetic. There is. Uh, but don't snakes then grow a new skin? They get more fear? Like, like just a better fear afterwards? No! Jonathan, <laughs> they're shedding their fear like the skin of a snake. You ruined the analogy. Stop ruining it. <laughs> I also like the, the one in Heads Will Roll. I was looking over them last night because I was like, oh yeah, I haven't really like, looked at the lyrics too closely. I just kind of heard bits and pieces. And there's one that's You've heard, oh, you are the author of your own misfortune. You've signed each letter, you've sealed your date. You are the author of your own tombstone. 
you've dug this chaos, you've sealed your fate in dirt. And that's the sort of, you know, wow. haha, fuck you, this Lovely. is what you've done. <laughs> but it just sounds cool. And then, you know, you can just kind of get it all out of your system and move on with your life. Fair enough. I just um, like it. I think it's good. Yeah, it was, not, it was I think a it's surprise a and it was a good surprise. It's, it's, it's number, I've, I've just got my list of albums up and it's number 18 in my albums. Oh, year, they so. also had that video <clears> for... Um, one of the songs is it Gatekeeper, which has got like an eighties cartoon video with a flying yeah, 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 a flying yeah, yeah. flamingo in it, and it kind of looks a bit like He Man, and that's really cool. That Go and cool. watch that video. Um, and they are on tour with Bleed from Within, uh, and yeah, Cancer Bats off the back of a great album in Bleed from Within. Can I also just say Undersider awesome. on that tour? Who are was they? About I didn't even realise that. Yeah. That's awesome. Undersider, who obviously nice. organised the festival in Kathmandu, Silence, which Cancer Bats just headlined, and we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and they are a fantastic band really worth going to see it's nuts live yeah. just so interesting um, Jonathan what did you pick for the album that most surprised you this year well the album that most surprised me just for being an album was Sleep The Sciences because ah, it, it just came out of nowhere sure, yeah. um, I, there was, you know, there was a single a little bit beforehand is that fair to say that one went a little bit under the radar because of the way it was released yes or? absolutely and it's, it could have been such a big event obviously mm. as reviews editor it's very frustrating for me yeah um, but it was it was really, really good. Like, at first, you think it's not kind of prime sleep, uh, but then this. But the thing about sleep's music is because it's so repetitive that it becomes accumulative, and by the end of it, you're just you know just riff part on riff and just do the same kind of riff, and you're just like you're just in that sort of sleep headspace for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was it was great, but yeah, it didn't feel like an event considering like how long it's been since. Um, since uh, you know the last album, and also with all the tales of like, you know, all the all the problems like they've had with previous albums being released in different forms because uh, you know the, the labels didn't want to release it. Um, the other good surprise this year, and because it was better than everyone was imagining, was the Immortal album. Right. Uh, <coughs> Northern Chaos Gods. Like people were worried how it was going to be without Abath, um, and it was absolutely face ripping, and it was great. It you know. They're both kind of very much upholding the immortal legacy, and um, yeah, uh, Demoness's voice is great on it. Just it's kind of slightly more stripped down, but it's kind of back to you know it's got a little bit of the um, earlier harsher immortal sound, but still mm-hmm. got the atmosphere. And everyone who just everyone who heard that album was just like, oh my god, this is amazing, and they're also a lot of relief considering how long that took to get to come out as well too. Mm-hmm supposed to come out end of last year that it kept getting put back and when I start getting put back you start to worry about them you know um, and but it was it was actually a really distilled great version of Immortal awesome yeah it's a fine choice um, I picked uh, A Perfect Circle for mine um, which I've talked about already really but kind of on two levels one I never thought and a, per- a, and a perfect circle I never thought an album by A Perfect Circle Whereas end up very, very high in my end of year lists. I've never really been that bothered about them. They've just not been for me. Um, and then the fact that they put out this album that was just such a totally different shade for what they normally do. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was great. So it surprised me musically and it surprised me how much I liked it. Um, but yeah, we've talked about that quite a lot really, so it's probably not too surprising. That was my choice. I'm looking forward to hearing your choices for this next one now. Uh, we... <laughs> Uh, what's, the, what's your album of the year that is not Metal Hammer related? 
Um, so you can't cheat and choose synth weight or something like that. I uh, did think about that, but I thought you would not. Well, no, because uh, that's, that's, that, that is very Metal Hammer relevant. <laughs> If it's a synthwave. Well, choice. my one isn't quite synthwave, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a band called Vive La Void. Okay. And um, it's probably the album one, uh, one of the albums that I played most this year. So it's not synthwave. Um, I'm going to review it because it wasn't. It didn't have that. But it has that. It's almost like a more chilled version of, like it's got it's totally got that kind of retro futuristic sounds. Um, and it's just it feels like super cool and going through your veins it's the most richest it's just, just, I, I just absolutely love it it's um you can hear hints of like, thing I'd like. I think I think you'd, yeah you'd love it it's, it's <coughs> almost got, got a kind of like a Gallic kind of coolness to it and it so it's sort of like 80s in the way that maybe um Nicole Sabinet had that kind of 80s yeah. feel so it's really atmospheric but it also reminded me of like it's kind of post-industrial stuff like Chris and Co's used to be in Throbbing Gristle and the stuff they did after that, which is this kind of really rich, soothing, kind of futuristic techno-utopia. And so, yeah, it's just kind of like, it's, yeah, it's just this kind of totally utopian but kind of really repetitive and groovy sound. And um, I just listened to it and it just, it just gets every bit in all my endorphins going. And um, I actually probably have played it more than possibly any other album this year. Almost. Oh, wow. Almost, yeah. Wow, goodness. Okay, that's a big choice. Na- name it again. Vive La Void. Vive La Void. I'll definitely yeah, check they're, they're, yeah, I, I, I came across them just because they were the same, same publicist as uh, Anna von Hauswolf. Oh, yeah. And um, so, yes, yeah, so it's got this, yeah, it's, 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 it's such a, like, yeah, a cool record but it's just so warm and it's all cool but warm mm. and it just it just resonates with um every bit of you very nice Elle what's your non-metal hammer related album of the year well I found this one a real struggle actually because there's so usually metal. there's so metal <laughs> there's usually some stuff from the pop world that I'm into and last year there was like Dua Lipa Taylor Swift Halsey you know, I was thinking about all the records that I actually quite liked, and I was like, oh, they're all last year. Not like, big on the Little Mix really, album? No, I mean, it's actually really hard to find one this year. I don't think Pop's been as good this year, if we're going to go that way. But, what so about I the think, Genomine album? Come on. Yeah, Genomine, come on. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, I'm not really listening to it, which oh, I know okay. is sacrilege. No, no, well, not if you're not. But yeah. I know you're obsessed with it. So. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so if I, that even counts. Churches had an album out. Well, thanks for telling me now at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, that changes that. Instead of playing well. it for me in the Sorry. Rest of the year. So I picked, which is quite a random choice, Casey Musgraves and Golden Hour. I because don't know. Is so that one thing? Casey Musgraves is the artist. Okay. And Golden Hour is the record. Okay. So one of our colleagues here at Future, who owns Metal Hammer, um, we have Music Week as well in our stable. And one of the writers, George, went to Nashville. I was wondering which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Not a crochet magazine or anything else. So um, he went out to Nashville to speak to her, and it was quite an interesting piece that he wrote, which was about how she started out as a country artist and is moving into pop, and about how she kind of almost stands out a bit within the country world because she's quite liberal and has quite liberal views, and she's quite funny and um, quite sharp and quite down to earth. And so I went and listened to her and actually quite liked it. It's not usually the kind of thing I would listen to. It is a pop record. It has got kind of country light stuff in there. But I think the reason why I like it is just because it's nice. 
which I sort of almost hate myself for saying, but there's so much pop music out there that's just about like exes, breakups, selfies, social media, money, people cheating on people. I'm just like, I've just got a bit bored with it. It's just quite a nice record. There's a bit in there about like people being a bit shitty with each other, but there's also just a lot of nice stuff about appreciating things. And it's just a very, I'm not gonna lie, it's just a very easy listen. So what is it, kind of like, kind of country but not? It's a pop record with kind of slight country undertones to it. So like and early Taylor Swift kind of? Probably thing. most people listening to this would find it too saccharine and usually it would be for me. But I, I don't know, there's something about it that's sort of the right side of it. And I think having read the feature about it, it just made me want to go and listen to it. So like saccharine in like the, the Carpenters kind of way? Because I love Carpenters and you could call that saccharine. I don't know. There's a lyric... <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lyric... Psych. There's a lyric that I quite liked as well, which is very cheesy, but it's about fish. Okay. Just, <laughs> do you want to hear it? No, but go on. No, but I won't read it though if you don't want to hear it. No, come on, you've got to leave the good people at the Metal Home podcast. You'll probably, you'll probably be sick, actually, because it is so saccharine. Northern lights in our skies, plants that grow and open your mind. Things that swim with a neon glow, how we all got here, nobody knows. It's like the country version. That is version. the most throwaway, meaningless lyric I have ever It's like ever the country had. version of. That's um, terrible. It's like the country version of Insane Clown Posse. Yeah, it basically is. <laughs> it's basically just got stuff, fish is a thing. Who, who knows how we got here? Like, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm kind of torn, like I said, because I think a lot of people listening to this will just vomit immediately on hearing it. And I'm, I'd hold my hands up and say it's not usually the kind of thing I listen to, but I think with a lot of shit that's going in the world, I'm like, well, you know, it's just kind of nice to listen to something uh, No, nice. I agree. I agree with so, that. But, I, but like I said, I really struggled because there was nothing that really, really captured my imagination where I was really obsessed with it. I just didn't find a lot in this world. So Go I'm, listen to that Janelle Monáe. I am fully open to recommendations. Janelle Monáe. Janelle Monáe. Um, which is not my choice, actually. It has been in previous years whenever we've done uh, non-met album choices. Um, I chose a hip-hop album and it was uh, Denzel Curry, uh, Taboo. Um, so this is a rapper from Florida, he's had a couple of albums out before, his last album I really really rated as well, that's called Imperium, uh, Imperial, sorry, not Machine Head, um, Imperial was out a couple of years ago. Um, this one's called Taboo and um, yeah, hip hop's in an interesting place at the moment because it's been kind of dominated by like quote unquote Soundcloud rappers um, and so a lot of the discourse over you know, where hip hop souls at and all that kind of stuff is going on. Um, but this album is... I mean, it's one of, I, I'm by no means a hip-hop connoisseur at all, by the way, but I, I know what I like and I, I tend to like a good few things across each year. And this is probably my favourite thing I've heard from that scene in years, maybe. Um, it's, I don't know if it's like hardcore conceptual as such, but it's kind of conceptual in that it's, it's, it's uh, split into three parts. Each part has its own kind of identity. And what I like most about this album is that it's a true journey it starts at this point where um, thematically and musically it's kind of more mellow. Um, it's almost kind of like R&B kind of, uh, very similar to what um, Outkast did when they did the double album and um, they did the Love Below side, which is the side that had uh, like Hey R on it and all that stuff. Um, uh, that was Dre, uh, Dre 2000 side. It really reminds me of that kind of stuff. So it's like nice and mellowy, poppy kind of vibe. And then as the album progresses, it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier until the final third is just basically not like really aggressive kind of trap heavy kind of hip hop. And it's just awesome. Like every song absolutely crushes. Lyrically, it's really interesting. There's Black Sabbath reference in there, which is always bonus points for me. 
Um, he, and uh, he just goes in quite deep on like the state of hip hop today. He takes a lot of aim at those SoundCloud rappers, so people like Post Malone and Six Nine and XXX Tentacion and all those kind of people. He doesn't go at them specifically as much, but he kind of sarcastically talks about maybe he should be tattooing his face and mumbling over his rhymes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just love how the album evolves and I can listen to it over and over again. And what I love most about it is in an era where I think a lot of big time hip hop artists and pop artists and R&B artists kind of basically treat albums like glorified playlists where they just chuck as many different styles onto it as they can so that they can like maximize Spotify and all that kind of stuff. You know, you get people just doing double albums for the sake of it and all this kind of nonsense. Um, this is a proper album, like it flows, it evolves. And I feel like you, the best way to listen to it is to listen to it as a whole in order. The songs are great on their own, but I think you really need to sit and just experience it from start to end. Um, so yeah, go listen to the Denzel Curry album. That, that actually great. reminded me of what you just said there about another shop for non-metal album of the year, go on. which is Kamasi Washington okay. um, and Heaven and Earth, which is a huge, another huge sporting album. Uh, Dom Lawson put me on to him actually, because we both quite like our jazz. And this is like proper cosmic out there jazz. He's like, he's like the darling of the jazz world at the moment, but for good reason. And um, it's just, it's, it's kind of like, part of it's like really heavenly, but, um, and it's like this ode to some galactic emperor or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of very free, uh, like almost like kind of gospel, but it's more like intergalactic gospel. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a, huge sporting album but the first third of it particularly is really angry and so it's it, it just feels like a real sort of album of the times of just like you know righteous anger but also feeling without you know th- that the ground is kind of always shifting but they make this into something that's kind of quite spiritually liberating at the same mm-hmm. time um, and he's kind of worth the hype Awesome. So, so yeah, so he's he's a bit he's, he's kind of the big name in the jazz world, but um, it's worth all the plaudits that get thrown at him. Well, there you go, country, jazz, electronica, hip hop, all covered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do I shout out that Janelle Monae album as well. She's unbelievable, the best and, thing in pop And churches, but not as good as the last album. Oh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you went to see it, didn't you? I actually went to Germany to see them. Amazing. Um, what else we got on here? Right, really obvious one here. Gig of the year. Come on, we give it amazing year for gigs. You'll what, know what? my gig of the year. It was perfect circle, oh, Brixton okay. Academy, first day of two. As soon as they played the Hollow, I just cried. That was my gig of the year. I'm fuck with. I don't think anything's made me cry in years. So that made me cry. Good, good. Finally, ice through your cold heart. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else can. <laughs> don't know about that. And then Keep... I saw them again and I didn't cry, so that's it now. That's me for crying. That's me done. Yeah, I cried once, you know, no tears once left in the to year. Cry. What, what will I cry at next year for Speaking my one time music. of crying? Um, Jonathan. I, lots of I don't cont- know what yours is. Actually, lots of contenders. Okay. Uh, obviously, Vodruna, Hylon, and, and one. Stop chucking an orange around. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> And on a house wolf, they were all just like, whoa. But actually, the gig that made me lose my shit the most, that made me feel like basically, like, my all my brain had gone like sort of like nuclear, was Aranti Pazuzu. Mm. You love them. I do. Um, but also, with the, the gig they played at um, Roadburn with a uh, with, uh, Tampere uh, friend's uh, 
Sorry that, if you can hear roadworks in the background, by the way. It's not roadworks, it's building works. They're demolishing a building. It's They're literally tearing a building it's down. A, it's it's a cult in my over-tired brain work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but our, like, we love, we're sorry if it's a bit uh, background noisy yeah. today, but, but our building is literally shaking. There's nothing we can do about it. It's been going on for like six months. I don't yeah. know how long it's going to take. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, carry on. So, just suddenly realised. Yeah, so Rantum Pazuzu at the Dome. They, they did this thing called the Waste of Space Orchestra at Roadburn as commission project. Um, I got done pretty much no sleep. I got had to do a live interview straight after they played, and that rewired my brain so much that um, I think I'd, I I don't know how I managed to get through this live interview in front of people at Roburn. Uh, I think I only lost the band I was interviewing twice, so that's not bad going. But Aranti Bizuzu, <laughs> yeah, just um, just the way the tension builds and the dynamics and the and the way it just explodes into this kind of crazy cosmic cacophony it just I just it just makes me I just literally the one gig this year that I lost my shit the entire most I had a friend who was um who was behind me at the gig at the dome and he was saying like afterwards like I've never seen someone who looks like they're enjoying a gig quite as much as that <laughs> excellent yeah it's just it's, it's just like your, your brain just fusing and just amazing it's incredible amazing a fine choice um, mine's quite predictable if you heard me blab on about it earlier in the year really thought about this because there has been a lot of great stuff going on in gigs this year but I just I can't see past that Trivium show um, we are biased in a way because we helped curate that bill but there's a reason we helped curate that bill because we felt it represented the very best of where metal and heavy music is at right now and um, it was just it was just unbelievable. Trivium, Code Orange, Power Trip and, and Venom Prison at Princeton Academy is the one I'm specifically talking about. Um, and it just felt, it, it's been a few years since I felt like I'd been to a gig that size, which so perfectly summed up everything that's wonderful about metal and specifically what's exciting about where metal is at, at that precise moment. And the fact that Code Orange were on that bill, and I'm not even sure if they were the third best band that night, like it was just everyone was so so on it Venom Prison were great um, the way they've uh, evolved to be able to command stages as big as that is amazing Code Orange were absolutely spectacular they went so hard that two people got stretched out of the crowds I'm not even exaggerating um, Power Trip were unbelievable as well um, and then Trivium played the best Trivium show I've ever seen and it was the best Trivium show I've ever seen and I've seen them on every single tour since uh, Ascendancy and um I think I said this at the time, but it felt like watching Machine Head on the Blackening. It felt like watching a metal band that's had ups and downs and career peaks and career lows and everything else being back on form and back on the form of their life with all the goodwill in the world back towards them again. Um, and it was quite emo- it was quite an emotional uh, gig to be at because it it's nice to feel like that way about something that's so very current and now. Um, I also put down the Prodigy just because... Uh, when Jonathan was talking about losing his shit, that was the gig. Because when you when you when you're working at Melhammer and you go to gigs, you're kind of often there with other people from your industry, and you're kind of there in a slightly different capacity. Prodigy, I just got a ticket, went with my mate, and just danced my absolute tits off for three hours, and I had a lovely time. So that was probably the most fun I had at a gig this year, because they're the best. So there. Um, <laughs> I've heard the best thing about 2018 here, but what about maybe you, it could be the best thing, or it could be like the best moments. Um, well, it doesn't have to be an all an all and capturing thing. What's the best thing about 2018 for you? You're both? not gonna like mine because it's non-specific. But mine That's is okay. the whole of June. 
<laughs> Come on. Because it was a banging month, actually, wasn't because it? Because we had stuff. Download, The Hammer Awards, A Perfect Circle, Alice in Chains, Nine Nails, and I was meant to see Pearl Jam on my birthday, but they cancelled, which was a bit sad. But I still had a good birthday, and the rest of the month was amazing. So many good bands played. It like, was crazy. Oh, and it? Deftones played as well. I didn't even put that on my Just list. Add that on there. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned the Golden Ones, actually, like, that was, that was a shout for my gig of the year. Again, biased, but Parkway set, and that was just... But yeah, that month of June, I think I've ever seen that many of my favourite bands in such a short space of time, and they all played fantastic gigs as well. There wasn't a bad one in there. Fine choice. Jonathan, how did you answer this rather vague question? I'm yeah, it was a, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about it, actually. But I think <clears throat> um, my favourite thing about 2018 is just the way bands, like you mentioned Code Orange, but also like Highburn... Um, and you know the way Fortuna have gone as well too is you know like bands just getting really big and actually touching a nerve through not compromising not second guessing the audience mm -hmm. not like that's a really important point like yeah. you know not bolting on um, not bolting on um, you know some, some some genre onto another genre just for the sake of it like throw shit against the wall see what happens you know there's none of this calculatedness um, and I think everyone needs to kind of like Learn it. Just say if you want any longevity, longevity, just you know, kind of actually have a gun and stick to it. Mm. Stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I just think that you know. Well, I, even if spiritually speaking, more than like a specific style of music or whatever. Yeah, that's what I said. It's like you know, like like Code Orange. You know, they, you know, they they'll talk their, their mind. They don't care who it pisses off. Um, and they've, you know, and, and bands who have a worldview, mm. it's like bands who have a way of a specific way of looking at the world, and that only you know that band particularly have. And like I, this is why I love you know interviewing um, extreme metal musicians because they're usually way more interesting than your sort of general metalcore guys because they have a particular way of looking at the world and it just structures everything around it. And you know, it's something, it's something really something to explore musically and mentally as well. And I just just think that those are the bands we should be looking to, not the bands who are just, you know, just throw, like I said, see, see more shit sticks. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, I mean, I was gonna, um, obviously I, I made these categories and then <laughs> thought I don't even know how to answer this one. Um, I was gonna try and do something a bit more all-encompassing, but I think Jonathan just did it much more succinctly than I would have. Um, so my favorite, my favorite moment, uh, my favorite thing about 2018 has genuinely been seeing the way metal has continued to evolve and seeing a lot of the bands, whether it's on a kind of more quote unquote underground level, like Wadruna and Highland, or it's kind of uh, on a more, um, I don't want to say mainstream, but more like obvious level, like your Code Oranges and Power Chip and those bands. Um, just seeing everybody continue to do amazingly, and like you said, doing stuff on their own terms, I think has been brilliant. If I had to pick a specific moment, and I really thought about this, it would probably be, as much as the gig was a bit of an up and down affair, it would probably be Axl Rose saying, do you know where the fuck you are? You're a Donington baby. Because yeah. that was like, I even just got goosebumps thinking about it. Hearing him, hearing, seeing Guns N' Roses on stage at Donington and hearing Axl Rose say those lines was like, something I never thought I would see, ever. So that was pretty amazing. Uh, your worst thing or moment about 2018? We're not ending this on a downer because there's lots of good questions about the year to come. So, <laughs> well, mine was when we were watching Hailstorm. I want to say, um, was it Hailstorm? And we got, we were like looking at our phones and it said that Machine Head was splitting up. Oh yeah, that was Hailstorm. And obviously, <coughs> now me. we know they're not splitting up. It's likely to just be that you know, 
the members have left and that Rob will carry on with Machine Head. But at the time, I was like, I really don't want Machine Head to split up because mm-hmm. I liked Catharsis and I know a lot of people didn't. Um, so that was probably the worst moment and it kind of turned out okay because they're probably still going to be a thing. Right. But we'll have to wait and see, won't we, what next year brings. Jonathan, what about you? Well, fair enough, I had Machine Head in my notes as well too, but only because I think Catharsis is my least favourite album of the entire year. Well, oh come on! No, it is. It's it's terrible. I bet I could find you an album you hope it, it's, it's, the one, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's the one that riled me the most. And and for all the times we used to play in the office, it never got any better. It just got worse and worse. I just think it's the most unedited album. It's, There's good stuff in there though. No, I just I, I just I mean to be honest, I, I I haven't even liked the last few albums. Even the blackening, I felt the blackening. <laughs> I know. What? I know. What? I know. Fuck. I know. I, Dude. So I heard the blackening, and I heard. Well, this sounds like a lot of different things. Like six months after the event, but not as good as the original sources. Like the you know, Mastodon bits in it that didn't sound as good as Mastodon. I thought the wow. follow up album was kind of overall, and I thought this album was kind of overall to the point. That Last Stone like, and Diamonds is one million. That was a great album. Yeah, I, I just no. So, but that's, that's wow. not. But that's not actually the worst thing in 2018. Okay. The worst just thing. Just kicked him for the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that my least favorite album to, to 2018. But the worst thing is like, it's more than my cousin something bigger. But it hit me really personally, which was um, the closing of my beloved garage in Bergen. Mm. Um, and so to be clear, that's a music venue. Yeah. Yeah. Not a not an actual garage <laughs> that, I, that I dearly love for some reason. Um, yeah, so this is this venue is just like you know Bergen is one of the you know one of the original homes of the black metal scene, but the thing I love about Bergen as well is that no one's up themselves. It's a really friendly environment, and and this venue garage was like the, the heart of it, and um, it's where they used to have like part of Holland Sky Festival, and it's where they mm. have Beyond the Gates Festival. Um, it's got such a long history of like you know important bands playing there in the early days. And it got closed down over some argument over who was um, supposed to be fixing the roof above it. And they thought the venue and the owners of the hotel thought, um, thought the venue was liable and just they, they, they didn't have the money to fix the, the roof above. So it's just, um, it, it just so it, this, this really good video with a really amazing vibe and a really amazing history got closed down for absolute stupidity, greed, avarice, and and the reason why all other, so many other venues are, are getting closed down too is just, you know, people having no cultural awareness or sensitivity, not caring, knowing the price of everything, the value of nothing, and that just seems to be the way that um, cultural sort of it's going in mm. um, these days, and you know, everything just comes down to like sort of property. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's something we're feeling very keenly in London as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, so many venues are closed down for like stupid reasons, like people moving above going, oh my god, it's a music venue. Yeah, oh my god, there's noise. Oh god, don't get me started. People that move near like public parks or music venues and then whine about there being noise about, ugh, piss off. Um, I put for my worst thing about 2018, I mean, I made some notes, honestly, Vinnie Paul dying was really sucked, that, that surprised everybody. Um, uh, I put Stan Lee dying as well, just because that was rubbish. Um, and then I just put racists in massive letters. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. <laughs> Don't have to say a lot else about that, really, do you? No, of course not. Um, Is that the end of the year in review? That's well, not quite, because we got some really good questions about. We told we told the good people at Facebook.com forward slash Mohammed uh, readers that we were doing an end of year review, and so they've given us some. Right? I sure did. 
uh, they gave us some very pertinent uh, questions. So who wants to take one? I'll do it. Go on then. Tristan Chamberlain asks, what has been your favourite Metal Hammer feature this year? All right, we're going self-reflective, guys. Okay. Um, I, had, I had two. I love the Botswana feature. It, mm. was just, uh, it was such a... Metal Queens in Botswana. Metal Queens. Yeah, it was, it was just like this kind of alternate universe. That was in about February, I think. Yeah, it's just, kind of, just watching this kind of alternative sci-fi universe of metal, um, but with people who are just so uh, determined and creating this kind of strange alternate universe of it. But it was, it was that was really amazing. The one that kind of brought a tear to my eye was the Tono Iommi and Aussie... No, sorry. Oh, Rob Halford. Sorry, Rob Halford yeah, 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 and yeah, Tony yeah. yeah, just seeing them two together and just, it just, yeah, just, it, yeah, it kind of did almost bring a tear to my eye. Just, um, just everything that kind of felt like heavy metal was about, and um, and the camaraderie and the, just the deep knowledge of, of of it all and the ease and the grace with which they hold it. Um, yeah, just I love that. I love that feature. That was yeah. That was pretty. I I didn't do the interview, but I was on I was on uh, on set for the shoot, and it was pretty amazing seeing them both walk into a room together. I have to say, uh, what about you? It's really hard to pick, isn't it? Because um, we're so awesome. Most recently, bias says the Slipknot feature we did on the anniversary of All Hope is gone. I really enjoyed that. Just getting to the bottom of exactly what happened during the recording of that record and everyone's relationships with each other and then where they're at now as well and how they feel looking back on it and what they're doing the next album going forward and talking to Jerry for that as well and obviously Luke did and you know what's going on in his mind and the fact that he's got songs left over there's just a lot of very interesting insights into the band there and then looking back through the rest of the year um, your Ghost feature Merlin was very cool because we didn't know what was coming from Ghost and that, that was kind of the first interview we did where I kind of revealed his characters and his plans and we obviously did a big tribute post Dimebag dying on Pantera and we covered everything. Vinny dying. Vinny dying, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we covered everything Pantera related, um, which kind of looked back through the history of the bands, the origins, the influences, recent controversy with Phil Anselmo's outbursts and what they mean today. And that was quite cool, like just looking back on the whole thing and talking to all these people that were there at the time and. Yeah, it's quite a cool one as well. Yeah, it's, 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 I think metal, um, in our scene, we like to put on a proper celebration of something. And I think when we do that, it's important to look at all aspects of a band's career. I think we did that with Pantera and um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. The Vinny thing was really weird how that just suddenly yeah. happened. And now to think that, you know, half of Pantera is now, is now gone, it's really, really strange. <clears throat> I've actually got um, the first thing I put down was your Architects feature out from uh, January first cover feature of the year um, I think it was the best cover feature of the year uh, I thought it was a really wonderfully written piece I thought it was really emotional but handled very depthly um, obviously you know um, post Tom passing away and uh, what comes next and this was way before we knew for a fact that there was going to be Holy Hell later this year and all that kind of stuff um, I thought that was, you know, just a really, really good piece of emotional journalism, and uh, you know, we were very proud to to start the year with something like that. Um, on a more personal level, for for what I, I'm into and stuff, um, with the horror issue was full of stuff I really geeked out over. Mm. Um, I love the head. I, I, you might notice we do like doing head to heads at Metal Hammer because it's an interesting way to pick artist brains in a different way, um, and I really loved the the horror slash metal heads to heads. 
um, Wednesday 13 chatting to Kane Podder um, aka Jason Voorhees um, Perturbator talking to John Carpenter was just a real uh, I think my favourite was um, Danny Filth and, and Doug Bradley aka Pinhead because they obviously knew each other a bit better so there was just real camaraderie there really good anecdotes um, and they both know just enough about each other's worlds to just kind of bounce off each other I really enjoyed reading that um, and just totally totally biased um, the Maiden cover feature because it just meant I got to go and see that new set however the feature that's fine but I enjoyed yeah. Ryan My Disturbed feature as well that was really good so as well actually David Draymond really just kind well, of yeah. going I like you that you know maybe Hammer didn't treat you so well <clears> in the past and was made fun of you what do you think about that and him just kind of talking revealing out of all this stuff from their history and yeah, he was totally. really interesting to talk to um, James Rainsley asked what was the gig that surprised you the most either in a good or bad way and he says, for me, it was seeing Ghosts at the Royal Albert Hall, having not seen them for years and thinking they were a bit crap, they blew me away. Well done for allowing your opinion to be swerved, James, because not everyone is uh, open enough to that, especially with how good that Ghost gig was this year. Mm, it was good. Well, any gigs that surprised you? <laughs> I don't think there's any gigs I've been to where like, I thought it was going to be terrible and it was great, or it was going to be great and it was terrible. Um, the only thing that the, the most surprising thing really for me was um, actually seeing Anna von Housewolf live like the power in that voice mm. is otherworldly and um, that, that, that was like the most like like jaw dropping moment of just like my brain can't quite quite take this in mm. I went to see probably the one that comes to mind for both reasons is I went to see Rolly Tomasi supported by Palmeida and I have to admit, just not really a fan of Palm Reader. And I tried to be open-minded and it still didn't really connect. You know, people seem to like it, but I don't think it's for me. Rollo Tomasi, I knew would be good, but there was a real warmth and intimacy at that show. It was at London in the garage and they were just releasing their record and everyone was kind of cheering them on. And you could see they were pretty emotional about it. It looked like they were quite tearful almost. And there was just a really good atmosphere at that show. So that was really nice. Awesome. I see. Uh, well, not also that you pan palm reader, but I'm I expect you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're not for me, they're just not. I, yeah, don't, sure I don't feel anything when I watch them. I just don't get it. Um, I think for me, it was probably seeing, ha having really liked the music already and being really excited by that scene, I think it was just seeing Carpenter Brute for the first time. Saw them in France um, very early on in the year and then at Coco a couple of months later in London. And I think even though I was kind of geared up to enjoy it, I think seeing just the level of bedlam and how exciting the whole thing felt was just really, really cool. Actually, it, it, and you know, it's Synthway is easily my favourite specific scene that's popped up in the last couple of years, and um, yeah, I just think it's great. Yeah, actually, having said that, I was convert. I was, I was dubious about the whole Synthway thing. I didn't. I mean, I'm an eighties kid, and I didn't really get into it until I saw Carpenter Boot Live mm. and it, at Coco and. Yeah, it's just like Sonia just basically, and I said this the last talked about, but it's like Sonia hit a, like a joy nerve and just like kept drilling. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Wouldn't stop. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I've never seen so much like, yeah, just drawing a room. Um, and it was, you know, it was 50 50 actual metalheads. Like a lot of bands we cover, like you're on one house also, and, um, and um, Emma Ruth Rundle, who aren't really metal, but the metal world gets them. It's it's not that many muppets in the audience as you get at a Carpenter Brute gig. Mm, definitely, definitely. Like, portion. Um, Matt Grimster. I genuinely believe that's his real name. Good. It's rules. 
what was the most heavy metal moment of 2018? I know the answer. Go on then. Zach Wilde presenting Ozzy Osbourne with his yeah. Golden God and the Metal <laughs> Hammer Awards. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, you know what? I, yeah, God, God, I don't know how self-referential we can get away with being, but I mean, <laughs> all that fire on stage at the, uh, during oh, the Parkway set awesome. and then Winston just jumping into the crowd was pretty amazing. That was a shout for my favourite moment of 2018 as well, actually. Yeah. But again, you're, you're tied to it emotionally because you spend a lot of time on it. Um, wasn't that dude that was headbanging in a hurricane this year? <laughs> you see that the dude with the flag and he was just headbanging. Oh, yeah. I think that was this year. That's probably the most That's metal moment. Yeah. Any other choices? Um, what aim destroying Budstock right to death? Oh yeah, that, that was, was metal as fuck. <laughs> yeah, um, but the the, the 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 launch gig in January on the on the day on January the fifth in Stockholm was like even more fire. Like you want fire, that's how you do fire. And um, wow. but. But I wasn't expecting, especially after all the controversy that, that, that they've had in the last kind of year, and and also, you know, people seem to be getting a little bit down on Watain after the Wild Hunt, and this was just just took all the oxygen out of everything else that basically happened at Bloodstock, and like this is how you're a metal band, and it yeah. was just the whole tent was bedlam, the stage the, the stage was on fire, they just you know. It, uh, they played it out of their skin. It was just such a moment, mm-hmm. and um, and just your know, what way to end a festival. Really. Yeah, I, I had to go on and play new metal after that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was shitting it because they were so good and yeah. so metal. But just, I mean that you, that kind of stage presence you don't get unless you're just genuinely yeah, doing totally. what you're doing. Um, this is a really good question. Um, I just did the last one though, so someone else can do it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll ask you, so Alison McMillan says, is the fact that two of the biggest rock albums this year, Ghost and Greta Van Fleet, sound so obviously like rock music from the past a problem? I'm not sure it's doing anything to help the rock is dead narrative in wider consciousness. It's a good question. To, yeah, so Ghost, I think, unquestionably, the metal band of 2018. And I think Greta Van Fleet, the biggest thing in rock and roll this year, really. Yeah, but they do both sound like old music, so... <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of... It is putting a different spin on it, and it's quite knowing as well, isn't it? So a great fleet, though. I think they literally have just whipped it off, and old people like that, because it sounds like old music, <laughs> and little people like that, because... They've not heard it before. They've maybe not heard it before. Yeah. Not no, to, that's I mean, very patronising to both the demographics there, but... I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's true, maybe it is a problem. I don't know. I mean, wider consciousness? You can flip it on its head, can't you, and say... Maybe it's a good thing because these two bands that are getting more recognition can draw more people into heavy music or bring them back to a scene that they've left. You know, if people were into rock and metal and then kind of life got in the way and they sort of gave up on it, bands like this can actually bring people back in and remind people that they like music. So, mm. I don't know, it could go either way, I, I think. I think I think they both operate in very different spheres with, diff- with very different sets of um, dynamics. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of kind of like classic rock Music like I, I actually haven't heard Greta Van Fleet, but you look at bands like yes, um, you have. They're called Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but like you know the, the bands like Blackberry Smoke, whatever, and um, yeah, yeah, Rival you know, Sons. Yeah, yeah, all, all that kind Don't of stuff, and, and, and that's yeah. that seems to me very static. But there's bands in our world like Graveyards, um, and you know obviously a lot of kind of stoner rock band um, who look to the seven. You know, obviously got a seventies feel to them, and Electric Wizard, but no one says you know. No one can look at Nature Wisdom and say, oh, that's, that's a good sign that rock is dead. 
because yeah. there's there is something in that kind of vintage sound, those kind of amps and the analog feel, that it's something you can draw draw from. There's, like, there's almost like a mystical thing to it, mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of stuff you can you can draw out of that. That you know that you that you, people feel like you lose in the age of compression, where you just pile all the music on top and don't, you know there's there's more dynamic range, there's more time to allow something to emerge and, and there's a feel to it, but also you get this particular like black metal, you know, you get this um, dynamic between the more progressive side and the more orthodox side of things. And especially in metal, like if you forget where you came from, you're, you know, you're, then you're not a metal band in my opinion. It's like all these bands that were doing kind of metal death, but they clearly never even, they were like third generation, they clearly didn't even listen to um, uh, At The Gates and where, where are those bands now? So you, you need these marker points. Mm. To be able to like know the sphere of where it comes from, it's like it's like it's, it's like you know, a point at the bottom of the sphere. You need you need that you need that point at the bottom of the sphere to um, understand the whole kind of range of, of where heavy metal exists. And without that, you, without without that, then metal, music is metal is dead. Well, I'm not really sure what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, pretty, yeah, but, very so, point. You know, I, I went to see Graveyards uh, last week, and I think people forget, like, A, how big this band are, and how loved they are. Yeah, you and, really got them there. Yeah, yeah, but, but, you know, there's such a soulfulness to it that, um, that is, that is, you know, it's kind of mediated through that analogue sound, and, that, and those kind of particular rock you know those kind of rock values it doesn't mean like it's not lost in a really deeply personal emotional moment mm. but it's just that you have that kind of almost that medium and that kind of texture to play with um that still resonates with people really really deeply yeah it does. And, and i mean the thing is with ghost is like yeah okay they've always had a really strong retro vibe that kind of underpins a lot of what they do and they you know, Tobias really massaged that out and make, kind of pushed that to the front because Prequel is a very, very almost nostalgic album with some of the stuff that goes on. But it's presented with such gusto and energy um, and, it, and it's still underpinned by this kind of weird, freaky subversiveness to it all. That it just, it presents it in a way that just doesn't make it feel, um, I mean, how did I put it? Uh, rock music from the past. It didn't. It didn't just sound like rock music from the past to me. It sounded like a really exciting, weird, warped way of doing it. Um, and when you go see Ghost live, that is not a band just rehashing old shit. It's just not. Like it's energetic. It's exciting. It's sexy. It's high. Uh, well, like I said, like subversiveness running rampant all over the place. Um, it's just. It's just really cool. I mean, Greta Van Fleet to me, I don't find very exciting personally. Um, but Led Zeppelin aren't making any new albums soon and they're not performing. So if you want to go see a young band doing that kind of stuff, why not? First time I saw Airborne, I thought it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen because I didn't get to see ACDC in 1973, you know? But I saw this, this bunch of shirtless Aussie yobs <laughs> yeah, but, but just running around a bar and just going crazy. Yeah. And I thought, it was, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, and I still I, think that album's a classic, that yeah, first no, I think yeah, they've got a really good fun, but then you know, they're they're not a tribute band. No, you know, like you know, the thing is, like you know, all good bands, and you know, all good artists in any form, like they will have a dialogue with what's gone on before, and you know, obviously you're going to, you know, the process of being an artist, you're going to make it something your own, but if you like, all these bands are just people who just don't care about metal bands, just don't care about the history of metal, 
And you can tell they don't care about the history of metal because they're just they're running on very thin, thin gruel. Mm. And um, <laughs> and so I think everything does need to have a dialogue, especially in the metal world, because you know we all saw, you know, know we all come from like Black Sabbath. You know, if you're into death metal, you're never going to stop listening to death or obituary. Mm. You're never going to feel like oh I've I've outgrown that. You know, it's it's you know it's part of your DNA. Mm. And um, and it's just yeah, just just make it branch out further. But how um, yes. Um, do you want to do the next question now? Sure. It's, it's long. This is very, very <laughs> long, so bear with me. Ben Wilmot asks, how do you view 2018 in terms of how potential festival headliners of tomorrow have done? Blackstone Cherry and Nightwish seemed not to sell their arena tours very well. Even Bring Me the Horizon struggled in some venues to pull crowds that would silence any doubters. Yet at the same time, Architects look like they'll sell out Wembley Arena, Ghost released a brilliant album, and Gajira smashed their Bloodstock headline set. How do you feel it's gone for bands of that ilk? Hmm. Well, firstly, I think that um, Ben's pulled quite varying examples out. You know, Blackstone, I mean, let's, if we start with Nightwish, Nightwish did an arena tour playing similar venues to what they played about three years ago with no new album and having headline Bloodstock. Uh, was that this year? That was this year they did Bloodstock. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've done they a headline did. set. They played Wembley before. You know, I don't know if it's a great litmus test if if they're doing very well that they didn't happen to sell it out again. Blackstone Cherry, I don't really know. Um, although I didn't, I think Blackstone Cherry basically did the same tour they did last year, but with not as big a support band because last time they took Hellstorm out, I think, mm. and Shine Down, yeah. which is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And this year, I don't. I'm not being disparaging, but I think that. Um, I'm pretty sure that the supports they have are like noticeably less high profile. Um, but yeah, Architects looking like they sell out Wembley um, is wicked. I mean, that's just so deserved, but I don't know if anyone would have called that, I mean, let's say eight, nine years ago, whenever the Here and Now came out. Uh, so that's amazing. Um, I don't know, really. Bring Me did struggle the night I went to see them at Ali Pali. They obviously played two nights. Friday and the, no, the Thursday and the Friday or the Friday and Saturday Thursday and, no, it was Thursday and Friday and I went on the Thursday and the venue was half full uh, because apparently they'd done their Friday day first sold that one out and then added the Thursday and obviously it hadn't gone down as well maybe everyone mm. got tickets to the Friday or it's Friday night so it's better and that was weird It was I've never seen a gig in Ali Pali that is like that empty again though they didn't have a new album out yet did they no I know they got singles but it's like how many times have Bring Me been around in the last yeah they've not gone away like so it's it probably not that surprising it was a shame it was not very well attended but then you know apparently the next one was pretty busy so that would have been sold out I think for I think for a lot of these bands that Ben's picked out I think the next album cycle will really be yeah. engaged I don't yeah, think yeah. you can really use these as ways to I mean yeah it's, it's kind of coming around twice <coughs> isn't it it's sort of the second yeah exactly cycle around on that album cycle yeah so. at least the thing is, when it's like one, when it's obviously just about one band headlining, you know, then there's a lot more kind of weight on that particular one band. But a lot of tours that seem to do quite well are the ones where it feels like more like a collective, especially on the underground scene. Like when you have like a really good bill where all the bands they kind of reflect off each other, mm. then you feel like you're going out for an experience that's not just because of how much you like one band. Like, yeah, of um, course. You know, I went to see Marduk, and they could probably sold out the underworld. By themselves, but um, but the people were there for the first band because the whole lineup was really good and really well chosen bands. 
I just said this slightly dowdy. You know, this is a really underground band, but you know, you, you put the right bill together and you can get 700 people packing out the dome. Mm. Um, people do get fatigued as well, you know, when bands are played again and again and again. If you love that band, they're your favourite band, you will go. But if it's in a time of year where maybe you haven't got as so much money or mm. there's other stuff going on, you're less likely to go to it. It's just the way it is. Sometimes, it's, you know, it's like you talk about festivals, it's also good to have, like, you know, a wider context in which to kind of appreciate a band. Like, I've seen bands that probably couldn't fill out the, um, the Black Heart uh, playing to 2,000, 3,000 people at Roadburn mm. in the main stage. And everyone's just, like, completely wrapped. Um, so it's... It's weird how this kind of dynamic kind of goes, really. We're just in a different era. Like, we're not going to... I don't know how many times I need to say it, really. We're not going to get a band that comes and releases a Black Album and sells squillions and is doing stadiums. It's not in metal. Not in, like, proper metal. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, but generally speaking, I mean... If you, if you look at kind of everything from probably the late 90s to the late 2000s, there's not a lot of bands that really managed to make the leap into certified festival headliners. Like the, the generation of Korn and Deftones never managed to do it. I kind of think the lack of a proper festival circuit hindered them in that respect. Um, obviously Slipknot and Sister managed to do that, but they had absolutely massive crossover success. And um, beyond that, like we all hoped Machine Head might be the band to do it, they never got there. Um, and so now we're kind of looking at who, like Ghosts, Parkway Drive, Architects, those are the kind of bands that we're are now being talked about. Um, but I don't know, do we need, to, I don't know if we need to, need to frame it like that. Do we need to be worrying about who's going to be headlining a main stage next? Like, is that going to be the litmus test of the future of metal? I'm not sure it is. Well, I mean, festivals are still doing pretty well. Yes, they are, yeah. You know, Rope Band sold out really quickly. <coughs> I'm sure, like, you know, uh, Bloodstock was really busy last year. Um, yeah, that's another thing now. That headlining festival doesn't mean the same thing it meant ten years ago because yeah, it's you, like record you know, sales, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, and I, but I think like, I think some of the um, like some of the bands that are getting he- that headlining festivals now, they're not really. I don't think they're necessarily all really headlining bands. I think that there's some strange choices, uh, but it's kind of almost like lowering your expectations for headliners. But that, but then that kind of makes the the rest of the bill more important. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I I I decided not to go to festivals not based on who the headliners were, but because I just thought the whole lineup wasn't worth my time. Yeah. Um, and and that, sometimes that's festivals where I've been to before. Other festivals I'll go to, no matter who's uh, playing. I I buy tickets before or you know before they announce many of the bands because I know I trust that festival. I know, you know what the. Hell. Uh-oh. So we managed to make it a whole year of podcasts without any fuck-ups, and then we realised that uh, while Jonathan was in full flow talking about how he goes to festivals for, um, for the whole line-up, uh, I accidentally pressed pause and we missed about 30 seconds of stuff. So there we go. Almost made it all the way. Last podcast of the year. Allow us. Uh, so that's why it just suddenly jumped weirdly. Anyway, um, so yeah, we were talking about uh, you go to the to festivals for the for the lineups as a whole, and then we kind of start to talk about Ghost in particular because yeah. Ghost are um, a band that are kind of being seen in that future headline role. But we also talked about the fact that they're quite divisive and whether that could be a problem. Well, no, because I think Ghost are um, they're informed by the era of those giants of the headline bands. You know, like. Um, you know, they're like talking about having a dialogue, but they have, but they have a dialogue with that era. You know, you know, Parkway Drive 
and bring me the horizon for all their for whatever you know for all their good parts. You know they're not they're not part of that kind of lineage, but ghosts most definitely are. And every time I've seen ghosts play live, it's a it's a communal genuinely communal experience. They're all out of the whole thing, just the amount of elation in the air, and it didn't. I don't know. I just is it is it just like a few um, online online people who just like go you just go nah ghosts not men. Well, I, so I to be honest, I don't, I, don't I don't know if you've seen this out, but I, to me it was like I know ghosts have always sounded a bit on the lighter side, and they're not like heavy heavy. And the new album's definitely a specifically less heavy album. But I I always just kind of took it for granted that ghosts were considered part of metal culture. Yeah. But they they the only band that I would say get as much shit. That when we post about them now, on a similar level, it's probably Baby Metal, mm. because if you look at when basically if you post something about ghosts on Instagram or the Metal Hammer account, mm. you'll get shit tons of likes, mm. and then you get shit tons of comments. Like when we announced it as our album of the year, and we announced Prequel as the Metal Hammer official album of the year. I, as soon as I looked back on Instagram after an hour, I was like, oh god, like people have kicked off because it was like x thousand likes and x thousand comments which is always a sign of but you know if, if you think ghosts if you're one of those people who are like saying ghosts not a metal band it's just like you're taking such a superficial view and you don't really know the history you know they were they were on um you know they were on rise above which no one can say that's not kind of a metal related label and they play with a bunch of metal bands yeah All their support starts to be with metal well you know bands. They, they you know they come from like a like a extreme death metal band so i think you know i think underground fans get it more than sort of more recent metal fans because mm. underground metal fans are much more invested in the history in which, they, which they've come from and at the same token I think like you know someone like a, an older power metal fan is going to get baby metal more than like a new young metalcore fan like you know they, they, they get this kind of but I don't know if those new, I don't think that's fair I don't think new young metalcore bands are the people slagging baby metal off on mass no, I, I think it's a few. It's a few. It's elitist. It's it's kind of people that see themselves as like the guardians of the riff. I think so too. And metalcore uh, isn't even a new genre. Yeah. I'm not. I would like to think. I think we still need elitists in the scene too. Of course, um, we need to laugh at someone. I, I, I hate yes. elitists. <laughs> but, um, but I just down with posers. Down with posers. Well, yes. Yeah, but I don't think posers leave the hall. Yeah, I'm not quite sure these people post. But anyway, but uh, I, I disagree with them on baby metal. Um, um, and ghosts. Yeah. But I think it's two different things. Yeah. I think it's two different things. I think they're different things, yeah, too. But... <laughs> <laughs> Camera no, we're all agreed. Oops, sorry, I kicked you under the table. Um, but I, but I, yeah, I, 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 I think ghosts are anyway, my point, definitely my main, headline material. My main problem was that, it, that, that there is definitely a bit of resentment towards ghosts, and it's noticeable, and I think it is coming from... Uh, People who just, uh, I agree, see metal in quite a superficial level. Should we move yeah. on to the last and most important question? <laughs> yeah. Um, so David Connell asked this crucial question, what were your top 10 saucy snacks of 2018? Well, I was hoping someone would ask this. <laughs> I'm glad you asked this, all. I can do five. I can you really? 10 saucy snacks is maybe pushing it. I can, yeah, I can definitely do five. I'll do them in order of five to one, one being the best one. Oh, building the tension, Jesus. So number five is chips with salt on. But specifically, <laughs> specifically the chips from Leon that come in like a waffly shape. You're such do you a know the ones I mean? <laughs> Leon chips. Yeah, they're really nice. Oh, I do know the ones you mean. 
Yeah, the little waffly things. They, like, they are pretty good. Yeah, that's my number five. My number four is salted. Oh, I was just thinking of crisps. Salted caramel chips. ice cream. Oh, what? You've gone way outside the box on yeah, this. Yeah, but I love salted Ruined caramel you. ice cream. So I literally was just thinking of crisps. Well, let me finish my list. Oh man. My number three is chocolate pretzels, which I had the other day when this we, is a we went list. to watch the Muppets Christmas Carol. That was and good. I had chocolate pretzels and that was good. I like the combination of the salty snack with the sweetness of the chocolate. <gasps> I just thought I was going to write down Gig of the Year as well. Shout out for the Muppets. Because oh, yeah. that was right up there <laughs> when they played the O2. That was amazing. My number two snack, salty snack, is bacon. <laughs> because, sorry vegans and Bacon is snack? Yeah, because... It's kind of part of a proper meal. You're no, just sitting eating bacon. It. Yeah, but you just have bacon... In stuff like you're going like, to the cinema, there's no danger you're going to sit there with just a bag of bacon. But a bacon sandwich is good. It's not a snack, it's a meal. It depends how you define a snack and a meal. Fra- can you say frazzles? No, they, they no, are. They're I don't really. Um, frazzles are a bit too much. And then my too number, bacony, unlike bacon. My number one, this is me being a middle class wanker now, my number one, is salt and vinegar crisps. But there's two types there's a type from Pret. Oh god. Which is cider vinegar, and there's a type of kettle chip, which is like balsamic vinegar yeah, and salt. Yeah, those are good. They're and I, I started having those crisps instead of like ordinary crisps, and then I had a packet of Walker's salt and vinegar crisps the other day, and I was like, these are horrible <laughs> now. Me. So I sort of I sort of hate myself. I've got to be this honest. This is what I've become. I will this never... has already gone far deeper than I thought it was going to. Well, I, I will never a lot of salty snacks this year. I will never get, get over Walker changing the colours of cheese and onion and... Um, I know. That was from weird, green to blue, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah something around. It's, it's an outrage. It's not right. It's an outrage. It's I like think... rewriting history. It's like news speak for snacks. <laughs> I think five salty snacks isn't bad. To think I just didn't you just thought about it much better than I did I was just thinking of crisps in which case mini cheddars remain my favourite if anyone was asking um, and that's about as far as I got <laughs> <laughs> well I, I only need to you have bacon so I can just be like yeah roast dinners well go on then snack. Say, say that um, we're all curious Merlin chips but they got to have mayonnaise with them obviously I like mayonnaise yeah mayonnaise has to go with chips um, oh, I don't really I feel stressed now oh do you know what I love cashew nuts they're not salty though, unless you get they the salty version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's as far as I can think. I can't beat salted caramel. Though. That's such a good. I shout. love salted caramel so much. Brilliant. Salted caramel, everything. Brilliant. Send us salted caramel stuff, please. Um, world. The I only need to choose one because my my choice is basically the big black hole, like in, like in um, the Fifth Element, that throws the salt of the entire universe, which is salt scum. <laughs> What? Is that it's, the licorice? It's a licorice. It's, 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 it's this licorice. Licorice from, is disgusting. Um, oh no, licorice is amazing. No, it's not. So you, you it's get, like eating get, tar. I have an also. You, you get it in um, you get it in Scandinavia, uh. and I always come back from Iceland with this, and Iceland, Norway with this. Um, yeah, it's, it's a salty foam, and it's I like really like I as you know I'm probably quite fierce when it comes to food, and this is like fierce. High, fearless. I'm fearless. And this is high end like you know salty licorice. Amaziness, and you put it in your mouth, and it's going to turn your mouth, turn your face inside out. Wow! All sorts of GTFO. Yeah, it's the saltiest thing about. Yeah, it's just so, like true salt licorice. Oh, disgusting! What a horrible way to end the year. Uh, <laughs> a big black. Love. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will be back next year. We're not doing a podcast next week because it's Christmas, and we want some time off. <laughs> this way, you got a bonus, extra long version this week, uh, complete with um, lighter fuck up bit at the end there, which is fine. Uh, thank you everybody for your support of Metal Hammer this year whether it's the magazine coming to the Golden Gods visiting the website um, just talking to us emailing us supporting us on the, on the, here on the podcast on the TV show 
we really appreciate it. We never take it for granted how uh, awesome it is to get to do what we do and have all you brilliant people in our corner. So thank you for that. Um, we'll be back next year. Brand new issue at the start of January and a ton of awesome stuff we're working on all will be revealed very soon. Have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. Um, and a quick shout out to Lewis and Luke who are leaving Team Hammer at, at the end of this year. Boo! You're dead to us now. Uh, you're not. We love you very much. Um, so yeah, see you next year. Have a good Christmas, guys. See you in 2019. See you in 2019. Um, see you on the other side. Goodbye, everybody. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.